taking care of yourself, your sleep, your wellness, your stress management, your nutrition, um, your exercise is so key in making sure that you always can move forward. Um, another one is obviously productivity. So can you, how do you get more done in less time? And that's a really important one because people think that you need to, to succeed. It's no to the grindstone, work really hard. But like you've mentioned before, if your belief system isn't aligned with what you're doing, you're never gonna get there. Mm -hmm. So that's why steps one and two have nothing to do with doing things. It's everything to do with how you understand your world and what you're shooting for. So productivity is a big one uh, and being intentional with your time. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, today's show was very interesting as I just finished interviewing Rebecca Mountain. Now, Rebecca went through a lot, and her story is fascinating, interesting, but also um, compelling that if she can get through what she got through, then anybody can. But one of the things that we really focus on in the show is just how much your self-awareness and mindset affects you and how we self-sabotage ourselves going forward. In other words, our view of life, our view of things known or even unknown, even it's a subconscious mind, uh, are really affecting our outcomes. What do you really, really believe about are you worthy uh, of success? Are you self-sabotaging uh, things in your business, in your relationships? And we all have done it at some point or another, myself included for sure. And so I just want to encourage you. I mean, one of the things we want to do here at CRG is to help you to go to the next level. Now, everybody listening is valuable. And so one of the new things that we have out is this whole series of e-courses. And so when you listen to the, you can go to our site, crgleader.com, go to the online uh, courses and just see what's possible in the CRG Academy. But we're really kind of promoting uh, the values course for this show. And that is, is that the values will create this clarity for you in that you know that you know and that you're making the decisions that are connected to the thing that gives you the most amount of energy. And yes, there are some things we always have to push through that we don't like doing, but the reality is, is that if I'm not connected to those things that are most invigorating, it's very hard to sustain engagement. As always, thank you for being a listener. If you like what we're doing, please pass it on, share it, let somebody else know about it, leave a positive comment in whatever platform you are listening on. Thank you again for listening, and here is our show today with Rebecca Mountain, author of the book, Think Again. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, we always love to have stories of transformation since we are the Secrets of Success podcast. And today is no exception. We have an individual who really is going to help you to rethink. In fact, she has a book called Think Again. I won't even do the subtitle. I'll get her to do it. So welcome to the show, Rebecca Mountain. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Well, uh, Rebecca, your book's doing very, very well, and we're going to get into that in the second half of the show. But as we always do on um, Secrets of Success, is we want to really hear your story, your journey. And so, Rebecca, you're, you know, I, we're in Vancouver. This podcast is being heard all around the world. You're in Toronto. That's right, just outside on the West End. Yep. West End. So, Oakville? 
Almost? Burlington. You were very, very close. Burlington. I have friends in Burlington. Yeah, so those of you that are listening, we are just, uh, Rebecca and I are just having a conversation without you. Uh, So as as part of this, um, what is sort of your journey? Are you Canadian? Were you uh, born here? What's the story there with your family? Well, it goes, I was born in Canada. I was born actually in Winnipeg, a great place to be from. No one, no insult mm-hmm. to Winnipeg. My half of my family has moved back there again, so there, mm-hmm. there's obviously a draw. But no, I grew up there for my formative years, and then I moved to uh, Mississauga, which is just a little bit closer to Toronto from where I live now. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that was kind of, that was location-wise what I did. The journey that I've been on since my childhood has been rather meandering and interesting and um, an uncommon tale, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, as, as we all have our stories, right, that um, mm-hmm. hopefully encourage others, but also say, man, if Rebecca can do that, I can. Yep, you I got it, that's, that's, that's the one. So what was really your family? Now, did your family move you to Mississauga or was that your choice? No, my dad moved. Um, he was working for a company and, in Winnipeg, but was always traveling to Toronto. So we eventually uh, decided to move here, and uh, yeah, so we just kind of came came along with uh, came along with the family. I've got three siblings, and we're four kids, four years. And I think my parents were insane. They keep trying to tell me that I wasn't a mistake, and I'm like, it's okay, guys. I'm like ten months younger than my older mm-hmm. sister, so I'm I'm okay with it. But they're still going with the story that I was actually ten hardly, months. Uh, well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> we won't get into any uh, details on that situation there. Uh, no. Now, what was the profession that your dad was in? Uh, he ran a four billion dollar steel company. He was the CEO of four. It's uh, called Russell Metals. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. So what was family life like? I mean, did you see your dad? Was he away all the time or did he connect yeah, with you guys? No, I, I never really connected um, very much with my dad at all as a kid. I really didn't until my I spectacularly blew up my life at the ripe old age of 32 uh, when we sort of bonded over other mistakes we've made in our lives and it was really nice um to to be able to have that i mean i got it later on in life and it's not that i have bad relationships with uh, with my dad and great relationships with both my parents they've always been really great um it's just there was that distance with all the travel it's just tough when you're a kid especially when you're mm-hmm. one of four kids in four years and there's just a lot going on so yeah well i get it i traveled a lot when in my um younger profession of my kids were, you know, young as well and mm-hmm. really basically didn't see them for a few years. So I get it. I, yeah. I understand mm-hmm. this sort yeah. of the implications of that a yeah. little bit. As my wife said, she was a single mom. Pep technically was a single mom. So, yeah. My greatest yeah. memory of my dad was on Saturday because he'd always come home for the weekend, um, mowing the lawn on a Saturday morning. And that just sticks out of my head. And to this day, whenever I smell like mowed grass, that's where I go back to it. So it's, a, it's actually a really good memory for me. But yeah, it was a little bit of distance there. Mm. Uh, I get it. Well, I'm glad that you've reconnected. Now with that, what happened after high school? Where was, where was your journey taking you? Well, that's interesting. <laughs> so, um, so a little bit more, it's, it's a bit of a, a backstory that leads into like the greater story of, of kind of the evolution of my life. Um, my parents joined a group, um, a religious group, that they really felt had an answer for them for what happens, you know, in the afterlife. And it really filled a hole for them. Uh, but as a child growing up in this, it was, it was a very different experience. So uh, I've always said, like, my parents went into the group because it really filled a hole for them. Um, but the, there are so many, um, there's a lot of rules 
uh, a lot of isolation, so you're really not terribly encouraged to have friends in school. Mm-hmm. Um, not encouraged to well, we got rid of our TVs, so there was there was my life growing up as a kid is kind of like Amish but with cars, you know, mm-hmm. like that kind of a thing. So. You know, no movies, no TV, um, limited radio, and, you know, we, as girls, were, you know, very restricted in what we could wear, so only skirts, you know, that were approved and lengths and stuff, and long hair, no makeup, no jewelry, um, so no parties, no prom, no real, like, interaction mm-hmm. with uh, with my friends, so as, you know, when you ask, you know, what happened after high school, it's kind of like what happened in high school that led to what happened after high school, um, you know, I, I met a, a guy and uh, who was also part of the the religious group, and you're very much, you know, once you get it, like that's it, you make it work, and so that's kind of what happened. So after high school, I went to McMaster University in Hamilton for business, um, and by the age of 21, I got married, and because that's what you're supposed to do, and mm-hmm. that's what I did, and and so what happened is over time. As I got older, um, I, cre- I, I started running into problems because I was very, very different from anyone else in my sort of that I would interact with day to day because I'm not you're not supposed to really establish any kind of relationships with people. Right? You're only supposed to do that with people in the church. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't fit in with the church either because I chose to go to university. And that's not always actively encouraged by the leadership. My parents were fine with it, right? So they didn't have a problem with it. You know, they really wanted me to go, but the leadership sometimes looks really down on women going into university. And then when I got a full-time job, well, that's now getting worse because I'm supposed to, you know, stay home and have babies. And then beyond that, I, I had children then went back to work, and now we're spiraling out of control. So I'm not fitting in with the church people at all. I'm definitely not fitting in with the people that I interact with day to day. So basically, if you can imagine... I didn't have a friend, my one and only friend in high school, um, you know, she went off and actually lived her life. And so from 18 to the age of 40, I never had a single friend because I didn't know how to make them. I didn't know what to do with myself. I uh, mm. didn't know. I now, you mentioned there, you slipped in a little thing about I had kids. Mm-hmm. So, mom, um, you had how many kids then? Um, I have two kids that I declare to be my personal fault, and then I have two wonderful stepkids. So I remarried since, uh, so as you can imagine, the marriage numero uno didn't uh, end well. Um, ended fine, but it just ended. And then I, uh, I've got my what I call my upgrade husband, and he has two of his own children, and so now I have four. <laughs> upgrade husband. Okay, yep. well, there we go, round two. Uh, mm-hmm. So when you think about what you were going through and you know, we can have a chat off air. I have a guess of uh, what group you're a part of and Mm -hmm. have some uh, connections uh, with that through my past as well is um, where, where were you? I mean, how did you even get out of that? Because it is such a controlling environment. It was, it was very painful to be honest um, because they very much, they don't want you to go. They don't want you to look outside. They don't want you to ask questions. And you get with, if, if you look up terror management theory, uh, it very much describes the setting of what happens with any group like this. But it can be a group, but it can also be a relationships, um, businesses. Like they, it can manifest itself in multiple different ways. For me, it was um, a, a religious group. And so because it's fundamentalist, they really want you to agree with each other. And as long as you agree with each other, you're safe. As soon as you introduce anything from the outside, it's now you're a dangerous mm-hmm. person. So they, they really uh, frighten you. They, their favorite 
scare tactics where cancer or car crashes. So if you leave or if you think about leaving, that's what's going to happen. And on mm-hmm. March 17th, on 2008, I was, it was an early morning uh, meeting I had about 6.30 in the morning and I was going way too fast. Uh, and then as I approached an on-ramp onto the highway, at that point I had slowed down but not enough and I hit ice. And so my car spun, went down a 30-foot embankment, the tires exploded, I rolled onto my roof, crashed onto the uh, highway, probably going about 60 kilometers an hour at that point. Um, the car crushed over me and I was pushed against my steering wheel with a pavement about an inch from my eye. And when it finally stopped, my first thought was, they're wrong. I didn't, I didn't die. And then my second thought was, hey, this is what it's like to be upside down in a car. And then my third thought was, I should get out. So, because I knew that I was on a six-lane mm-hmm. highway, and um, you know, so I get out of the car, and I'm not injured. I had mild whiplash. The car's flat, and and I'm shaking the glass out of my hair, and I'm. It was one of those catalytic moments where, just a, a switch just went off in my head, and I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not mm-hmm. doing this. And so, I what what happened is I had to, I had to have a series of very difficult conversations. You know, um, the marriage was an unhappy one. We were not doing each other any favors. We had two beautiful children whom we loved but it was an unhappy home and that had to change. And that, I mean, you can imagine, like that is like of mm-hmm. all the things that are disapproved in, in this group, divorce is definitely not uh, something they want you to do. Um, but I just decided, I'm like, this is it. We're done. And I said, well, I'm not going to um, any of the, the church meetings anymore. And my explanation to the children was you can talk to God in many different ways. And I've just found a different one for me. And so, you know, it's very important to me never to make anyone it, that was still part of this group defend themselves against me. They, they tried. They wanted to meet with me. And I'm like, nope, it's okay. Like, my, my decision is made. And I do not want you to feel like you have to defend your position um, because I'm not changing my mind. And, and so that's really tried to deal with it as gracefully mm-hmm. as I possibly could. Um, so I, I left the church. I got a divorce. And then I lost my job. I was a nice one. They fired me over Christmas. Um, you know, that's, you know, of the most Christian things you can do. I wouldn't put that up in the top uh, of the ranks, but they were part of the group. And of course now I'm a disgrace. So, Mm. um, I left that. And so, you know, March 17, I roll my car, December the 8th, I'm out on my own for the first time. And now you can imagine I grew up very wealthy and that was very privileged and it was wonderful. And then I got married at 21, so I moved right into that. And, you know, my ex took care of the finances. So when I went out on my own, I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know how to order cable. Uh, So I never had TV until I remarried because I didn't know how to do it and I was too embarrassed. I'd never put on makeup and I was too embarrassed to go get any. Um, I didn't know how to deal with Mm. anything in, like, normal life. Like, if, if you've ever seen the show The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, she comes out of a bunker and then, you know, she kind of starts experiencing life. That's me minus the bunker, right? So, how old were you at that time, Rebecca? Thirty-two. Wow. So, um, like, I just I didn't understand any references. So, you know, Seinfeld, Friends, Sex in the City, all these other things that people would like riff off of movies. I'd never seen them. I'm like, I have no idea. So, uh, it was it's been a really interesting journey. And the thing is. When I, with that whole explosion, I thought, okay, because I, I was becoming more and more unhappy, like a very gray version of myself. Like I'm a classically trained pianist. I wouldn't play the piano. I stopped reading, um, which is one of my, when you grow up with no TV, what else are you going to do? Uh, but mm-hmm. I actually like it. 
Um, so I just, and I, I was just, I kept getting fired from the jobs that I was working at, and it was, it was. What do you awful. think was contributing to the to that firing from the jobs? Self sabotage. I would, I would create. So, so what happened is, um, I was, I really truly believe that the way that they taught it, and and, and this is what, it was my interpretation of what they said, um, that to be successful is vain and vanity is a punishable sin. So anytime I would have any success whatsoever or feel proud of myself, I'm like, pride is bad. It's one of the seven sins. Mm-hmm. G- kill it. Like, just get rid of it, right? Make yourself feel bad because you're supposed to, quote, unquote, die to yourself every day. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'll literally, like, mm-hmm. stab my heart every day. Um, mm-hmm. And so when you when you are brought up from a young age, because I was eight years old when my parents joined, um, and... Um, when you brought up in your formative years through this to believe that success is bad and you must be punished when you're successful, it really screws you up. Because uh, so what would happen is I yeah, your dad was CEO of a billion dollar company. Yep, not yeah. loved on me. <laughs> mm. But yeah. he's okay. He's a a man, and it's different. Mm. It's just okay. different, right? So, but because that's providing for a family. Right. And so that's considered a little bit different. Now, have, has, has it evolved since I left? I have no idea. I don't really go there. Um, I hope one day that they can relax this, but that's how it was uh, when I when I experienced it. And so so the, the constant firing was me um, sabotaging my efforts. So I would make a mistake. And, and, you know, it's like, you know, you shouldn't do something, but you do it anyway. And it's almost you can't stop yourself. You're a slow moving car crash. Um, that's basically what my life was. And so. Um, unfortunately, even when I blew it up, I wasn't aware that that was the pattern yet. And so mm-hmm. I continued. I started my own business. Um, actually, I started five businesses, and you know, three of them failed. Two did great. Um, one I'm just wrapping up because it's work I don't like doing anymore. Even though I was in a million-dollar business, I was like, yeah, but I want to shoot everybody. So not a good way of waking up every day. Um, and so, so what were the businesses, two, Rebecca, and, and what oh, really business. caused you to go into them? Uh, well, uh, starvation is what caused me to start my own business because I realized after getting fired for the third time, I needed to do my own thing. Um, and so my first business, which is actually my most longstanding business, I'm just wrapping it up now was social media consulting, coaching, and eventually turned into an agency. So where I would do work for people. And that was based on me going when I now gotten rid of my last job and I had two small children. I was a single mom. Um, I would just w- go to people and I'm like businesses and what do you need? And at that time, this is now 2010 um, that I started my businesses. They, no one knew how to use social media. So I'm like, well, how hard can it be? I'd never used it, but I figured, well, if they can't figure it out. Well, I'll just figure it out. And so I did, I just had to be one step ahead of everybody else. And that's how I started. I just started by being one step ahead. And then I became an expert. And, you know, over the years, it's been 10 years now that I've been running my business. I'm now, you know, an international speaker and author and coach and trainer and all that kind of a thing. But most of my businesses were sort of offshoots of something in the social media world. There was an app that we started. It was really ill-conceived. And we're like, yeah, that shouldn't happen. Um, I had a couple of coaching businesses. And now what I've got uh, that I'm scaling up from here is a coaching training, um, executive coaching training business designed entirely 
around helping people overcome these self-sabotage cycles, these self-limiting beliefs, but then layering on top of those the success habits that if you practice them, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter where you are, how old you are, what you do for a living, if you practice these habits, you will achieve higher income, greater happiness, way more confidence, higher perceived success among your peers, and live the fulfilled life that I believe everyone deserves that I didn't live up until two years ago. Wow. Well, congratulations on the transformation and going through those steps. And yeah, I think it's so ironic. (laughs) Here's a person who doesn't even know what a TV is. And I get that. By the way, we did, we by choice didn't have TV in our house for 20 years Mm -hmm. is um, just because there wasn't anything good on it for us. Uh, (laughs) Well, this I've discovered. uh, Apparently there still isn't anything good. (laughs) Yeah. Well, for the most part. And then Mm -hmm. going into social media consulting. I mean, that's, I, yeah. I'm sure some people have had a little conversation with you and said, like, what, 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 what are you thinking? What's going on here? So that's pretty cool that you just stepped into that. Where do you mm-hmm. think you got your confidence to go into that space? You said, well, A, I don't know that much about it, but it seems that everybody else that I'm uh, being contracted knows even less. Um, it's just a matter of research and a decision. Like, it, I was hungry. And I knew that this is a make it or break it, and I had to learn. And so I would investigate. I took training courses. I would try to reverse engineer how people did what they were really good at. So I would listen in not just to the how-to, but also into the business models they were using, um, the pricing strategies that they had. And I just, I just made sure that I practice and practice and practice and practice. And just like I said, stay one step ahead. So really what it comes down to, um, why a lot of people are not successful in their business ventures is they don't, it's not important enough to them. And again, one of the six habits I talk about, like, there's six core habits of high performance. One is necessity. Like how important is this to you? How urgent is it for you to achieve this? And uh, for me at the time, again, it was literally I starve, my kids starve and everything can fall apart. Um, but it's in, even though that is so many years ago, I made sure I never lost that. If you go, if you, if I went back to where I, when I started, um, it was a do or die situation. So it was, I feed my children or I don't feed my children. And they, what I've made sure of is over the past 10 years, I never lost that. So even though today I am not anywhere near that situation financially, I am no longer 150,000 in debt because that's how far I went um, as I tried to learn. And there's a whole bunch of other life experiences that happened in between Mm -hmm. that drew down on my finances. But I pulled myself out again. And the only reason I pulled myself out again was that same do or die mentality. The only reason I grew my agency to a million dollars a year was a do or die uh, kind of a, of a mentality. And the only reason I was able to pivot away from that, which everyone told me I was bonkers, um, was the do or die mentality. And to me, uh, right now, what I have merged together is a very, very careful balance of impact over income. It's At beginning, it was all I had to make money. And that's where a lot of entrepreneurs start. And that's unfortunately where they stay where true growth happens, where you really step into your business in a bigger way, is when you say, what exactly is the impact I'm having on people? What change in their lives is happening because I'm part of it? And with my agency, I was you know, running Facebook ads and email marketing, but I didn't feel like I was really helping people. 
I felt like I was solving a minor issue, marketing side, mm-hmm. but I would, you know, because I could drive leads into a funnel till the cows come home, but if they had uh, limiting beliefs or fears or limitations for doing the work that they should be doing, well, then it didn't matter. And so it was a revolving door of clients in, out, in, out. So now what I do is I'm like, okie doke before we get into the marketing coaching, which I still do, and I have courses and I have training and all that kind of stuff I make available to my clients, but before I give it to them, we go through how do you perceive yourself in your world? How, what kind of assumptions are you making about others? What habits are you practicing? Let's nail those down so that when I give you that marketing instruction, you actually know what you're doing with it and it can be really, really successful. So it's a piece of the puzzle that's often missing with a lot of other coaches, actually. Oh, for sure, because if um, a person's belief system, it doesn't matter what you're going to do, it's the, nope. the outcomes are going to be affected by that. Well, let's mm. just dial back a couple of things. We have a lot of things to cover in the time that we have uh, <laughs> left here. So you know, we want, I want to get into that for the listener's uh, sure. benefit. We're talking about impact, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is mm-hmm. uh, where did where did the uh, second uh, upgrade husband come in? Oh, second upgrade husband! Second upgrade husband came in when I w- became extremely clear on uh, what I didn't want, which is what was I have named bad decision boyfriend. So I've had a grand total of three men in my life since I was fifteen. One, both are husbands, and then there's one guy in the middle, and it was disastrous. And so what happened was is towards the end of as that was winding itself down, uh, I became very, very clear on what kind of a human I wanted in my life, right? So I'd rather be alone and happy than with someone and miserable. But what did I really, really want? And so I carefully defined that. And it was funny because I was at the pool with my kids in their swimming lessons. And this, you know, gentleman walked up to me and said, hey, you know, I've seen you around a little bit. Um, and I very helpfully looked at him and said, well, I've never seen you. And then I stopped myself because I'm just like, oh, Rebecca, that's not how you have a conversation. As I'm, I'm, I was com- so hopeless with conversations. So I tried to turn it around and say, oh, no, no, you know, talked about the kids or whatever, because he was very, very cute. And um, so then the next week there just happened to be a spare chair beside me. And then over the course of several months, we just, got to know each other. He played hangman with my youngest son. It was the same word every week. And every week he pretended mm. he had no idea what it was. And so I met him at the pool um, and it ju- he just checked off all my boxes and I'm just like, okay, let's put a ring on that. So <laughs> we, um, three months after we started dating, we bought a house and granted I'm his third wife. So, and he's my second husband. So our parents, there's a lot of silence on the phone when we told them we were buying a house just because our previous decision-making hadn't exactly been stellar. Um, but we knew it was okay. And the next year we were married, and, uh, and it's been eight years uh, since that you know, wonderful day when he agreed to go for dinner with me. And it's, just, it's been a phenomenal experience. The, and one of the one of the most amazing things about it, though, is, and I would encourage this for any of the listeners, whatever you truly want, the more clearly you define it, the more likely you are to achieve it. Like to say, I want to be rich is too nebulous. To say, I want to make 250 a year, that's something, right? And then it's just, mm-hmm. and reverse engineer back. And how are you going to do that, right? And so it's the same in life, business, relationships with your children. So I apply the same methodology over uh, and over and over again. 
And so what I have now is amazing relationship with all four of my kids. We've actually taken in another girl who, you know, hit some hard times. So she lives with us, lives with us too. So technically I have five kids now. Um, mm. You know, I have a great relationship with my husband. I have wonderful friendships. I'm really kind of figuring it out. Um, but I'm applying the same methodology. And that's true success. Take one methodology that works and apply it repeatedly everywhere and just get really, really, really good at it. And that's how I grew from nothing into a successful business from the ground up. Cool. Well, congratulations on that. So let's just dial into it. Um, share with the listeners the full title of your book. Sure. It is called Think Again, My Seven-Stage Journey from Self-Sabotage to Success. And where did the book come from? Like what was driving your desire to write it? Uh, so the, when I when I went on my true journey of why I run a million dollar business that was absolutely miserable, um, I got uh, I got some coaching through actually the high the high performance program that I'm now a part of, um, and in the first session, my coach just asked me to tell my story, and so as I'm telling my story. I don't know where this thought came from, but it dawned on me like thunder that I was telling my story and every single time I did it, I was anchoring myself as that frightened little girl who was still a part of that group and didn't know how to get out and was absolutely terrified. And so instead of using my story in any good way, because after I'd tell the story, I'd feel just empty and everyone would be like, wow, that's really weird. And then the conversation would move on. But I always felt that there needed to be something that came of it. And so in that coaching session, I realized that I can actually use my story as a something for good. I can, because I, I've came so far, even at that point, I've come like leaps mm -hmm. and bounds even since that moment, but I'd come so far and, and I'd, I'd risen above so much. I'm not the only person who's had struggles and trauma, big T, small T in my past. And so that's when I decided that I would come up with a book. And then what started happening is I started enumerating all the stories, all my self-loading beliefs, all of the self-sabotage cycles. Well, it's when I recognized that success was vain and vain was bad. And so that's why I kept shooting myself in the foot every time something good would happen. Or I would think that, you know, I'm just waiting for the hammer to fall. And so what I did, I created a process whereby I would start off with, you know, what's my story? Where did it come from? What's a new story that I want to tell myself? And then how is my life different if I believe this new story? And I just made a list and I just wrote down story after story and I called it Epiphany Town. So the book is called Think Again because every time I'd go, you know, I'd say like, oh, no, you're so stupid or this is me telling myself, right? No, you, you can't do it and there's no way and all this other kind of stuff. I would say, whoa, think again. What's a new way that I can think about this? What's a new way? And one of my clients, actually, she actually used to kind of riffed on a little bit uh, because she looked at it as feel again. So she would feel in a certain way. She would feel bad. She would feel diminished. She'd feel you know, deficient. And she would be like, okay, hang on. I'm going to feel again. How do I really want to feel? And how do I, you know, what's a new way for me to think and behave so that I can feel this way? And so that's really where the book came from. I still apply the methodology. Uh, our self-limiting beliefs can sometimes be buried very, very deep. And then one day something happens, they get triggered and like, blam, it's everywhere, right? Um, and at that moment, the the what I really love about this and what I've helped so many clients with and people who've listened to interviews like this is you may have those moments 
but now you have a way of strategically getting yourself out of it and to help people to have that ability to crawl out of whatever hole they've created for themselves or that they've tripped on. Um, so that's really where the book came from. That's where the, the, the name came from. Um, it's something that it's, it's easy to remember and, uh, and, and it's simple for people in a, kind of a knee-jerk situation to kind of go, okay, wait, think again. Mm-hmm. Let's go. And congratulations on it being a bestseller. Uh, that's mm-hmm. pretty cool to be able to do it. Now, obviously, uh, you might have known somebody who knows how to do social media marketing. I'm just thinking here now for a moment. Did you know? Anyways, messing mm-hmm. with you. I said, okay, let me just check. Let me look at the mirror. How do I promote this thing? You mentioned <laughs> earlier around um, you know, the six habits. So yeah. what are those habits that you are teaching others around? And I really want, uh, you know, our, us to kind of get into it for the listeners. So some things that sure. can grab a hold of and apply right yep. after this interview. Sure. Well, it's based on uh, Brendan Burchard's book, High Performance Habits, which is a wonderful read. Again, it was part of my journey in this, um, through my epiphanies. And so the six habits are clarity. So do you know, like, your why, your purpose? Do you know where you're heading? That's a whole, like, define what you want. The next one is energy. So do you have enough energy to accomplish what you want? Like, are you taking care of yourself? 40% of CEOs have the same physiology as pro athletes, and they need that because they're doing so much. And so, you know, taking care of yourself, your sleep, your wellness, your stress management, your nutrition, um, your exercise is so key in making sure that you always can move forward. Um, another one is obviously productivity. So can you, how do you get more done in less time? And that's a really important one because people think that you need to, to succeed. It's no to the grindstone, work really hard. But like you've mentioned before, if your belief system isn't aligned with what you're doing, you're never going to get there. Mm-hmm. So that's why steps one and two have nothing to do with doing things. It's everything to do with how you understand your world and what you're shooting for. So um, productivity is a big one. Uh, and being intentional with your time, right? So not feeling guilty when you're doing one thing that you're not with your family and then with your family that you're neglecting your business. It's understanding how to manage that so that you're very, very intentional and you're present in in all of those situations to be the best version of yourself. Mm -hmm. Next up, there's courage, which is a huge one that's facing your fears, uh, stepping up for yourself, um, being confident even if you don't feel it. Sometimes people need an alter ego to kind of step into that in a little bit. Um, influence is a huge one. So influence allows people to get other people to believe in you, buy from you, trust you, and all those things, especially as entrepreneurs, you need to have in order for you to succeed. Because if you can't pitch yourself, well, no one's going to buy from you just because you have this awesome thing. You need to be able to explain to other people how your dream helps Mm -hmm. them achieve their dream. And then when a team situation um, and some businesses that I've worked with, you know, the leader's just like, well, this is my dream, and why doesn't everybody get it? And it's like, well, because you haven't really appealed to their dream. And so when you can merge those things together, your ambition with their ambition, then now you're cooking with gas. And mm-hmm. then the sixth one, as I mentioned before, is necessity. Really finding something that's urgent, it's important, it's worth fighting for, you're going to go for it, you get up every day, and you're like, I'm going to do this thing. Sometimes it's hard things, and sometimes it's just, you know, some of the stuff in business we don't like to do, but we have to because it's, it's part of the deal. So those are the six habits of high performance. And, of course, I'm familiar with Brendan and Brendan's work. 
Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's an amazing book that I've uh, referenced many times on the show. So that's excellent. Mm-hmm. So when we think about your book, what, how do, how, if I'm a listener and I, mm-hmm. I guess there's a couple of questions that I have on their behalf. One is, you know, first of all, how do I discover what are some self-sabotaging beliefs? I, you know, I, I might not even know that I don't know that I don't know. So mm-hmm. how do I uncover some of these that might be there? And then if I do uncover one, then what do I do? To get rid of it, um, purge it. Yeah, to, well, to limit it. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So to, to kind of limit the effect. Yeah, it, it, it's hard to get rid of it entirely, but you can certainly limit it. So in terms of really understanding the self-limiting beliefs you have, it's becoming aware of your behavior and how you act and how you think. So um, if there, if you find yourself saying, you know, like, I'm like the classic one is I'm not good enough, right? Like, good enough for what? And you really kind of, well, I don't feel like I'm good enough uh, to run my own business. I don't think I'm smart enough to be able to do this. I don't think I know enough to be able to, you know, step into a bigger role um, or like or learn something new or create a new marketing system or actually pick up the phone and make a call. Um, or you're worried about what people are going to say. So it's when you feel yourself hesitating. That's when you have to kind of go, why am I not doing this? Why am I avoiding this work? Right, so it's becoming aware of what you are naturally like, and easily and happily, um, you know, moving towards, and maybe what you're avoiding. A lot of people they avoid big, maybe slightly scary things, and they do a whole bunch of like busy work around it, but they know they're avoiding something. You know, mm-hmm. you're avoiding a conversation, you're avoiding an upgrade to your business, you're avoiding firing someone, you're avoiding making a phone call, sending an email. Uh, one of my clients, she fessed up to something that she realized was that she got a call come in our phone and instead of picking it up, she let it go to voicemail. Why? Why did she let it go to voicemail? So when you start going that, you're like, why do I do that? Right? Why? Oh, that's, that's not a good way of thinking. If you think that, you, you know, if you make a mistake and you crush yourself, there's a self-limiting belief because there's two mindsets that we all have and we want to limit the one and, and really emphasize the other. So the one that we want to limit is your fixed mindset. That's the judge and be judged. That's not doing something because we're afraid of what someone's going to say or a bad review or someone's going to disagree. For a longest time, I wouldn't do videos on social media because I was afraid of the trolls. Now I just have fun with them because I'm like, oh, seriously? Like, whatever, Bill um, in Nevada who has an opinion on my video on happiness. So the judge and be judge mentality is one that, again, it's important to become aware of it. And being aware of it is number one in being able to now make change. But many of us are sleepwalking. So... What I, if, if anyone is getting to that point where they're like, okay, I'm really not happy and I'm now open to discovering why I'm not happy, that's sort of step one. And step two is like, okay, what makes me unhappy? What are the things that I'm saying to myself that are negative or that uh, the assumptions I'm making that are negative and, um, and saying, okay, I, I want to change that now. And then the process I talked to you about earlier where you say, okay, what's that negative thought? What's that negative a belief, what's that assumption I'm making, what drama have I made up in my head, you know, well, so-and-so could say blah, 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 and we think it enough that it becomes real. It's not, right? You may be worried about what someone else is, oh, you know, they're talking about me behind my back. Meanwhile, they're thinking like tacos or burritos, which one do I want for lunch? Um, So we kind of get ourselves all in a tizzy, 
when really if the person's not interested or the classic one for the customers that I help with because they've um, they're mostly entrepreneurs they don't pick up the phone because they're not sure what the person's going to say or they're afraid of a no and when we work through that that's an assumption it's not information that is just a drama you're making up in your head the only way to know is to pick up the phone and so they would pick up the phone and lo and behold you know, they made a sale. It was a great conversation. The person had been waiting for them for months. Where have they been? Right. And it actually turned out really, really great. So the sort of a long answer to your question, um, that process of old thought, where does it come from so that you know how it's going to be triggering you, what's a new thought, and then imagining a different life and defining what you want that life to be like in detail, that tells your brain what to focus on. So it's reticular activation, which I'm sure you've come across, where, you know, buy a red car, suddenly everyone's got a red car. It's like, I get pregnant, and I swear, every woman is suddenly eight months pregnant. It's <clears> amazing how simply, that happens, isn't it, Rebecca? It, it absolutely is, but because it's the way our brains work, it only focuses on what's relevant. So if you keep telling yourself negative stuff, if you keep dramatizing things that you don't know for sure are actually real, um, then that's what your brain is going to focus on. If, however, you want something different to happen in your life, then you have to start thinking different ways. That's, again, where the book came from, think again. Think out in a different way. And as you thought, thought often enough, create your belief system, and we act accordingly. So if your belief system is negative and you're really driving yourself to the ground, um, and you don't believe in your abilities or your future or whatever, well, it doesn't matter how hard you act because you'll never get there. So change your thoughts, get new belief system, and that future that you actually want literally steps forward. You don't chase it. It just literally shows up because through reticular activation, now your brain is paying attention to it. I call it being brain blind, right? We're brain blind by our assumptions, by our limiting beliefs, by our self-sabotaging behaviors. But as you become aware of it and you say, well, now I want to remove that blindfold. I want clarity. I want, I want to have more in my life of the things that make me happy. Then literally that life you're looking for is sitting on a lounge chair right in front of you, just waiting for you to finally take all the blindfolds off. And it's really hip hop happy that you've arrived. And that's the process you go through. So you move from that fixed mindset into the growth mindset which is characterized by learn and help learn. And that's how you really continue to explore um, new avenues for yourself. Because even if you slip back into a bad habit, if you have the learn and help learn mentality, you'll learn your way out of it. And I'm like, you know what? My story is just my story and it's unique to me and somebody needs to hear this. And the kind of feedback I've had from people who've read this book um, has been nothing short of, uh, it's been life-changing for me and real validation that more people need to write their story down because someone needs to hear you. Well, well thank you for all of that. Now, we only have a few minutes left, if you can believe it, Rebecca. Where did the time go? Just <laughs> boom, just like that. Uh, so before we get into sort of the last sort of tidbits of wisdom from you, how can people mm -hmm. get a hold of you if they want to find out more about you? Well, my website's my name, so it's RebeccaMountain.ca. 
Um, and you can get my book there. There's all the information on my programs that are there. I'm building a page now for podcasts like this that I've been on to kind of talk about my book and what it is that I'm doing. But that's usually the best place to start. And of course, uh, I'm everywhere on social media. So you, it's really interesting to find me. But one little, one little tidbit about finding me online. If you Google my name, Rebecca Mountain, the first person that comes up is the woman who married the fattest man. So we're all very happy that he lost all his weight. Tra-la-la. But that's not me. My husband did not weigh 800 pounds. So I'm the next one. So if anyone goes on to Google and looks it up, I'm uh, Rebecca Mountain, the one that didn't marry the 800-pound man. Well, there we go. I think your husband is probably uh, happy to know yes. that this has occurred and happened with that. <laughs> so uh, with this, Rebecca, one of the things that I'm just really kind of curious about, if mm -hmm. I'm a listener right now and say, um, how, where do I start? Like I, I could even feel a bit, and this is probably even a, a belief system. I could feel even a bit overwhelmed by all the possibilities here. So, uh, how do I begin this journey uh, with your system? Well, I, honestly, I recommend you read the book. Uh, you can also buy a workbook that goes along with it to help you work through all of the different stages, like the seven stages I went through. The book is very very consciously written. It's not just a self-help book like to open your mind to the self-living beliefs that you may have, but it's, it is like the first two chapters are about that, the stories and assumptions you make. And then very quickly, it starts moving you towards, now what are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with your newfound clarity? What are you going to do with your newfound enthusiasm over this new life you want to create for yourself? Um, and it's a step-by-step -step process. It includes talking about like your support team, really analyzing the people around you and what are they saying to you because that contributes to how you are creating your belief system. We talk in the book about creating a plan, right? So how do you plan your way out of this kind of where you are right now if you're stuck? Um, and then we go into a little bit on the, the habits, specifically around aligned action, which is kind of around the productivity habit of high performance uh, so that people can understand don't get bogged down by busy little things, do a few really important things and just focus on those. So I love to get people to start with the book. Um, if, of course, anybody wants extra one-on-one -on -one help, I've got lots of different programs available. Uh, my, the ones that really affect change are either my high-performance group coaching, um, and that, that runs twice a year, October and March. And then, of course, I've got the one-on-one -on -one version for people who want to deep dive and really are ready to make that pivot. They're sick of where they are. They know that they probably need a little bit of help to take off some of these blindfolds. And uh, the results that I've gotten from those are just absolutely astronomical. And it, and it makes every day such a worthwhile day for me. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I, that's sort of like the, the levels of where people can start the book and the workbook. And then you can look at uh, some of the other programs that I have to help. Super. Thanks, Rebecca. Now, before we depart, and by the way, at the end here, do stay on the line with us, is sure. what's your final bit of wisdom for the listeners as we depart today? Final bit of wisdom. It's always a tricky one here. Um, the final bit of wisdom that I have is that no one needs to settle for anything. No one is ever stuck where they are. There could be a series of contributing factors and experiences and traumas that have made us feel like we're in a box. But that box is made of paper. 
and you can walk right through it. It's a decision to be made that you no longer agree to be where you are. Now, you don't have to blow up your life like I did to achieve happiness, um, but you need to make that decision. And upon that decision, make a commitment to become aware of what you're saying to yourself, the assumptions you're making, the people around you, and the feedback from the news and social media, getting rid of the negative, accepting only the positive, not because you're trying to be ignorant, but because you're trying to make sure that you're feeding that reticular activation system the kinds of pieces of information that lead you to what you want and that definition of what you want um, and of getting out of your own way by pulling off those blindfolds will allow you to actually achieve literally anything. Mm, mm. Re Rebecca, thank you for hanging out with us today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I love this. Well, and hey, you've turned up your energy, so that's good. I'm glad that you practiced one of the six habits this morning. <laughs> yes, that I do. <laughs> I'm like this all the time. Uh, well, you will stay on the line with us. You guys have been listening to Rebecca Mountain. Her book is Think Again. Go online, go get it, go engage all the different information there. And how many times have we talked about on this show about the power of self-awareness and just being conscious, awake. And uh, my encouragement is every single person listening to this show, as Rebecca has shared with you, matters. You have impact to be made. You have an impact to have with others around you and that you are valuable. So keep that in mind as you go forward. And as always, thank you for listening. If you like what we're doing, please share, pass it on, let somebody else know about it, leave a positive comment on whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you for listening to Secrets of Success. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keith. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.